0: On July the 20th of 1969, three U.S. astronauts stepped foot on the moon for the first time, Michael Collins, Buzz Aldrin, and Neil Armstrong. As they were getting ready to return back to Earth, these astronauts wanted to leave behind on the moon's surface a memento a small silicon disk about the size of a 50-cent piece. It was called a goodwill disc. Inscribed on the disc were goodwill messages from many leaders from around the world. Presidents Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon all left a message on this disc. Along with 73 other world leaders, the messages were, as you can imagine, only readable by microscope. They are very fine on there. The message is all of goodwill from world leaders to be placed on the moon. The top of the disc said, goodwill messages from around the world brought to the moon by the astronauts of Apollo 11. Here's a picture of the disc. That's me right there. But um, (laughs) there we go. On the back, it says, from planet Earth, July of 1969. Around the edge of the disk, there was room to put another message. And so, everyone began debating, what should go on the edge of the disk as a goodwill message to be left? So, world leaders began to debate, what should be the message? Finally, they decided, and they all agreed, a passage from the Bible. But what passage? I mean, there are many, many good ones, so many great ones. What passage from the Bible should be inscribed on the disk to be left on the moon? And they decided, came up with one. It is our text this morning, read with me, verse one. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have all put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas." Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What an appropriate passage for the Goodwill Disc. Psalm 8 is a psalm of praise. We're going to look at it this morning. Praise to the God of creation, reminding them of who God is and who, where humanity is and who we are. It's written in the second person. Notice at the very top of the psalm it says to the choir master. So that means it was meant to be sung as a song, which they did. And this psalm has inspired many other hymns and songs through the years. In fact, this morning in our 845 service, we sang two of the songs inspired by Psalm 8, and we heard another one by the choir and orchestra. One of the songs we sang, a hymn entitled, For the Beauty of the Earth, written in 1864 from Psalm 8. Another one we sang, How Great Thou Art, from a Swedish poem in 1885 from Psalm 8. And then, of course, they sang, The Majesty and Glory of Your Name this morning, based on Psalm 8. It's meant to be sung as praise. But notice the next phrase, to the choirmaster, according to the getith. What on earth is that? Well, a getith is someone from the city of Gath. Just like a Texan is somebody from Texas, getith is someone from Gath. Gath was in the area of the Philistines. It was not in Israel. It, in fact, it was the location from which goliath was from so why would it say according to the gittai? that's kind of odd well the word gath or gittai, it means wine press and so some have possibly surmised maybe they'd had a grape harvest and at the feast of tabernacles they're singing a song praise to god for the grape harvest being good yeah, that's possible Another possibility is the the Ark of the Covenant, you might remember God's presence, at the house of uh, Obed-Edom, the Githite, as it was taken then to Jerusalem. And maybe it was a song they sang in praise that God's presence is coming back from the land of the Philistines back to Israel. That's possible as well. And maybe, maybe it was a, a maybe a possible musical term or liturgical term or even a style of performance. We don't know. But it's to the choir master according to the Gatif of Psalm of David. But notice what it tells us. First of all, this psalm tells us who God is. First of all, who, who God is. Notice the psalm begins in verse 1 with the same phrase that it ends with. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic or how excellent is your name. Now, I want you to look at verse 1 again. You may have missed it when I read it. Look at O Lord, our Lord. See any difference? The first Lord is all caps, L-O-R-D, Lord. And then the second one is capital L, then the lowercase O-R-D. Two different words. The first Lord is Yahweh, the God of creation. The covenant God, Yahweh, the only true and living God, the God of Israel. And the second Lord is the name Adonai, which is a title. So basically the psalmist is saying, Oh Lord Yahweh, you are our Lord. And how excellent is your name. Notice the next phrase. You have set your glory above the heavens. He is much greater than anything he has created. He is greater. Look at all of his creations. Look how vast the universe and he is greater. His glory is greater than anything he ever created. Think about the universe. There are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on every beach on Earth. Think about that. There are more stars in the universe than grains of sand on every beach. One billion trillion. Think about this. The Earth is tiny compared to the rest of the universe. You could fit the Sun, you could fit the Earth into the Sun 1.2 million times. The Earth would fit into the Sun. And yet the Sun is not the largest Sun in the galaxies. Think about this. The farthest we can see in any direction is. They say about 46 billion light years away. How much is a light year? Eh, About six trillion miles. 46 billion light years, and we're only seeing about 5%. It's vast. There are more than 100 billion galaxies, each with a billion stars. And we know that light travels a little over 186,000 miles a second. And it takes four years to get to the nearest star. Vast. But we're told God's glory greater than all that. And he created it by simply speaking a word. Light! Boom, light. Galaxies, boom, galaxies. Who has that kind of power? And His glory is greater than that. Only Yahweh. I know, I know, we live in a culture where you say, well, God is who you want God to be. No, no, we're not the reference point in determining who God is. He is God and He sets it, not us. Well, you, if you want to call Him Allah, if you want to call Him Buddha, if you want to call Him whatever, you call Him Yahweh if you want. You can call Him whatever. He's all of our. No, no, there's one God, the others are false Yahweh, the God perfectly revealed in Jesus. And His glory is above. All the heavens. Back when Teddy Roosevelt was president, one of his good friends was a a scientist, a marine biologist, in fact, by the name of William Beebe. William Beebe would go to Sagamore Hill and hang out with Teddy, and they were good friends, and of course both of them were very influential men in their fields. This is what they liked to do at night. They would walk outside, and they'd look up, and, and Beebe would say, Teddy you see that yeah that's the Andromeda galaxy see the spiral yeah it is um, it is as large as the Milky Way just that galaxy and it's 2.5 million light years from us you see it yeah Teddy that That galaxy has 1,230 suns. We only have one, and our sun could fit inside of every one of theirs. You see it? Mm -hmm. And Then he would say, well, Teddy, are you about small enough? He says, I am. I'm about small enough. I'm going to bed. See you in the morning. They did that to remind themselves they seem to be important here but they're really pretty small. And we are, because God's glory is above it all. So with a God that powerful, who should praise Him? Who does David say elicits praise from a God like this in verse 2? The astronomers? The scientists? No. Babies. Children. The weakest, the weakest person underneath this vast universe, the weakest, lifts up praise. God has, has an affinity for choosing the weak things to confound the wise. And their praises, according to David, silence the most vocal critic of God, praises the child. Jesus quoted verse 2, uh, Matthew 21, 16. He had triumphal entry, had ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey and went and changed, uh, cleansed the temple. And, and then he was facing the religious leaders. And he looked at men who claimed to be powerful. And he quoted this verse and said, Do you hear what children are saying from the lips of babes and infants? Come praise. This shal- psalm says, shows magnificently who God is. But that's not all it says. Number two, it says who you are. Who you are. Verses 3 and 4, they form a question. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers... The moon, the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Now look carefully at the question David asks. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, You see, folks, whenever you do something with your fingers, you don't need much power, do you? It's not like you're using your hand to do it. It's not like you're using your arm. It's not like you need force. When you're doing something with just your fingers, you have control. And the word in Hebrew that's used is the feminine. It's the female, smaller, dainty fingers. God did it with all of these. Just his fingers. His power. When I think of your work, the work of your fingers, like a sculpture, it's care and skill. When I think about that, who is man? Humanity. Now, the Hebrew word for man is Adam, like Adam, A D A M. But that's not the word used here. The word that's used here is the Hebrew word enosh. And enosh means the weakest human being alive. So he's saying, when I look at the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, who is the weakest person on earth that you would pay attention to them? You don't need us. God, why would you even cast a glance why, why would you care for us? Why would you even think of us? Who are we? I mean, in your vast universe, we're a tiny fragment. Why do you think of us? It's really a good question. But friends, not only did He think of you and cast a glance your way, He loved you enough to become incarnate and give himself for you so you could have a relationship with him you little tiny speck you that's incredible it's amazing David compared to the rest of the universe, the insignificance of humans, and David marveled that God would even think of us. Now, the Jewish midrash, the, the midrash is, um, well, it means to seek out, that's what the word means, but the Jewish rabbis, they would take the passages of the Old Testament, they would read them, and if maybe it, it didn't make sense, or it didn't, they needed some kind of connection, the rabbis would come up with a commentary to kind of fill in the gap and they had a couple of major midrashes, one of them uh, talked about this verse and says, the tradition says, that it was while God was creating humanity that the angels actually asked him this question. So there he is creating humanity in his image and the angels go, Why, who are they? Who are they? of everything you created, who who are they that they would be in your image and they would get such care and attention from you? And that it was the angels that asked the question. Notice in verse 5, he goes on and he says, yet you have made man a little lower than the angels and the heavenly beings. Some of your Bibles have a translation of angels. Some say heavenly beings. Some of your translations say God because the word Elohim is the one that's used which is usually understood as God. So he's basically saying you have, you have created humanity imago day in the image of God and you have placed him just a little below God because no other part of your creation is in his image. The universes aren't. The galaxies aren't. The stars aren't. The animals aren't. Only you. And that means that regardless of how you feel about yourself, because a lot of people have a terrible self-image and don't think very highly of themselves, but regardless of what you feel about yourself, there's something about you thats godlike. God-like. You're in His image. And in all of creation, you're just a little below Him. No other being has a distinction. And he crowns you with honor and with glory. Now in verse 6, we're told that God has given humanity dominion over the works of his hands. You're the master of creation. God has put all things under your feet. But guess what? We failed. Now God gave us this command before the fall, but he did not take it away after the fall. We're still to have dominion. He didn't remove it. So we're to have dominion that he's placed everything under our feet over all of creation but we have we failed at this. And so Jesus the second Adam coming along behind us who will be perfect. Will have all things put under his feet. We're told in Hebrews. We can't control things. We can't control creation. We can't control ourselves. James 3 says, man can domesticate animals, but just can't domesticate the tongue. We can't control ourselves. And isn't it interesting that as you look at creation, creation does what God created creation to do. The Son is doing what God created the Son to do. And the moon is doing what God created the moon to do. And the only part of creation that does not do what God created it to do is you and me. We don't. We rebelled. And we need to be restored. And only Jesus can do that. Now, I want you to notice the last phrase of verse 8. It says, whatever, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea, the paths of the sea. Do the sea have paths in them? Well, some people say that this is figurative. It just is a reference to marine life, and that may be true. Others say, no, no, that's a reference to all the, the sea creatures, the whales and the large sea creatures. And we're so small compared to them, but still he's given us dominion over those. And that, that may be true. But there's another theory that, let me tell you about a man that um, came up with a literal theory that there are paths in the sea. Let me tell you his story. A man by the name of Matthew Maury, M-A-U-R-Y. Matthew Maury was born in the mid-1800s. He was a U.S. naval officer, joined the Navy. And uh, he was in the Navy for 14 years when he had an accident and had, became disabled and had to go inactive. He was such a powerful naval officer and so respected. They made him the superintendent of the U.S. Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C., which is still there today, by the way. It's the residence of the vice president. They also made him a superintendent of the U.S. Depot of Charts and Instruments in marine life. One day, he had become ill, lying in bed. He was a strong believer in Jesus, lying ill in bed. And he asked his daughter, he says, why don't you read the Bible to me to try to make me feel better? What passage? I don't care, you pick one, he said. So she opened the Bible to Psalm 8. And she read it. As she was reading it, she came to verse 8, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas, he said, wait, 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 hold hold on, what did it say? And whatever passes along the paths of the seas, he said, is that literal? She said, I don't know. He said, "Are, are there paths in the ocean? If there are, I'll find them. And Matthew Maury devoted himself to studying winds, clouds, the Bible, weather, characteristics of the oceans. He studied logs of old ships that travel back and forth, primarily from the U.S. to Europe. And from these charts, he compiled the ocean wind and the sea currents, studied the speed and the direction of the currents using floating bottles, And from these, Maury discovered that there are underwater ridges and currents, what he called the paths of the seas. And his research aided the science of marine navigation, especially as they began to lay underwater cables in the ridges between the U.S. and Europe. He wrote in 1855 uh, the first textbook of marine oceanography. It's called the physical geography of the sea and its meteorology. In 1873, Maury died and he was elected to the Hall of Fame of Great Americans. They erected a statue. The U.S. Navy and the state of Virginia went together and erected a statue in honor of Matthew Maury. Here's a picture of the statue. Matthew Fontaine Maury It says, you can't read it, the inscription underneath it, put there by the U.S. Navy in the state of Virginia, says, quote, the pathfinder of the seas, the genius who snatched from the oceans and atmosphere the secret of their laws. And at the end of the statue, it says Psalm 8, 8. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent. Is your name and all the earth. But you, you're his best work. And you can only be redeemed back to him when you remember who he is, who you are, and receive what Jesus has done for you. Father, thank you today for your word and thank you for a, a psalm as powerful as Psalm 8. Lord, I want to thank you that, that you have told us who you are. We can't fathom that, Lord. You're, just, you're beyond even all of your creation. We can't fathom your creation, much less you. But Lord, I am thankful that you're mindful of us, that you have created us in your image, and you want to have a relationship with us. And God, I know there are a lot of people listening out there that they do have a relationship with you, but God, there are people listening to me right now that do not have a relationship with you through Christ. They've never given you their life. And I pray this morning will be the day that they do. They'll recognize who you are and who they are and how blessed they are That you're mindful of us so lord right now give those courage to make decisions for you god i pray for believers today maybe some that have wandered away maybe some that have lost their significance in life may they come back to you at this moment as well in jesus name i pray